Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. I'm joined today by my handsome co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hi, Dewey. Hi, my beautiful, beautiful wife. (laughs) (laughs) And hello, cat fans. We're here to give you some resources today that'll help care for your cat in ways that are more natural to their species. And that's going to create a life with them that's more rewarding for both of you and behavior-free from them. I can't, I can't help you on your own bad behaviors. <laughs> and why are we doing this? Because Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions, and that's my nonprofit that's dedicated to reducing cat shelter surrender by correcting and preventing behavior issues in the home. And the reason we do that is because shelter euthanasia is still the number one cause of death in cats. And I want to thank everybody before we jump into our show today for donating on North Texas Giving Day. For those of you in Texas, you're familiar with this. One day out of the year, usually in September, there is a a North Texas-wide Giving Day where all the nonprofits are highlighted and we set goals to help keep Cat Talk Radio on the air. And Many of you donated, and it was very, very much appreciated because um, keeping us on the air would be a good thing, a a good thing. We don't get paid for this. We do this for free to deliver good information to you, and you can help keep us on the air. If you're not in North Texas, you can simply go to our website, and there's a donate button at the top through PayPal. You can donate with credit cards or through PayPal or whatever makes you comfortable, and that would really make us happy because we like doing this for you. And today, we're going to talk about a very serious topic, cat obesity. Are we talking about this because October 9th is an International Pet Obesity Day? Seems like there's, for every day, there's some something in the world that is dedicated to that day. And October <laughs> the 9th is dedicated to International Pet Obesity Day. Is this why we're talking about it? Um, well, I mean, we are at the end of September going into this. Actually, podcasts will air at the beginning of October, so it's it's close. But because it's a podcast, people are probably listening to this year round. So I didn't want to tie it into that. I I had a couple reasons for wanting to do this this particular topic today. I mean, one is just you know the serious health issues that are related to pet obesity. Um, and then, more importantly, when I was at Dallas Animal Services this last weekend, um, I encountered eight severely obese cats. An owner had died. Well, actually, seven were obese. Eight were surrendered. An owner had died, and someone had brought them in. Family members weren't able to take care of them, and there were eight of them. You can understand. The biggest one was 27 pounds, and the others wow. were... 17 and 18 pounds. They were all just gigantic. and um, Those are heavyweights. <clears throat> yes, they were. Thankfully, we got the great big one out to, to a rescue group, SPCA of Texas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, 
And that cat's name was Squirt, by the way. <laughs> Twenty-seven pound Squirt. And um and I loaded the cat up in into the dog crate. There's no way he would ever fit into a cat crate. And that was one heavy, heavy beast. And um Were I never the dogs did... shaking when you brought him through, like Mr. <laughs> Heavyweight's coming in and He's taking over a dog kennel instead of a cat kennel, and he's here to command the respect of the dog world. Is that actually, what it was? It actually, sadly, I never even saw the poor guy get up. I'm not. Uh, I'm not totally sure he could get up. Um, kind of like I, Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, exa- exactly. It looked like Jabba the Hutt with a cat head. It was. It mm. was really, really sad. And you know, more than half of the cats in the United States are overweight. So I thought. We really, really needed to do an episode on cat obesity. We haven't done it yet. I think this is our 37th episode so far, and we haven't we haven't touched the subject. So that's so what why is, we're doing it. Oh, good. So, you know, I, I'm always kind of confused at what point uh, do you become obese. And so what is really obesity? Well, it's defined as a nutritional disease, um, which is defined by... Really? A nutritional disease? I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. So now you can say, I'm not fat. I have a nutritional disease. Oh, (laughs) I like that. I think I'm going to use that too. (laughs) Does that mean we we have a disease against certain nutrition? That's something (laughs) interesting to dive into. No, it simply means that you have an excess of body fat. Ah, uh, gosh, I thought we were on to something. I thought, aha, there's my magic pill. Uh-huh, you're allergic Just, to food. So stop that's eating it. So much of it. Stop eating it. <laughs> okay, you know, I get it now. And, and, and just like with us, I mean, like, not a universal us, I mean, like, you and me, us, <laughs> this obesity happens mostly in middle age, and same for cats. It, it Usually, we start seeing it when cats are somewhere between 5 and 10 years old. And technically, it's defined as when the body weight is 20% more than normal. Okay, now now let's talk. What is, there's the difference, there's what I was looking for. What's normal and then what becomes obese? What does that mean? Well, for an average body frame of a cat, and they say that the average weight of a cat should be 10 pounds. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so our cat, Tabasco, uh, goes to the vet a year or so ago, and he's weighing 19 pounds. He doesn't look fat because he's tall and he's slender. He looks more muscular and, you know, more more like the cat that's going to go in and shake things down. Uh, so what's normal? Was he obese at 19? Um, and no, and that's a good point. I mean, body frames in cats, just like with people, are different. And um, you couldn't say, you know, all people should weigh 165 pounds because obviously that that wouldn't be true for everybody. You know, you have men and women are built differently. And the same with cats. They're built differently. I was talking with a friend of ours last night who was explaining that she had a cat that has a really broad chest and has really broad hips. And, you know, that cat's going to carry more weight normally, um, you know, than, than a thin framed cat. So the best thing to do is to look at the body score chart. It's a, it's a chart that's rated from one to nine, emaciated to obese. 
And um, and it's really great. It's visual. So it gives you a, a top-down look at your cat and then a sideways look at a cat so you can see, you know, compare your cat visually to where it is on the chart, no matter what size it is. And about four and a half is normal. Four to five is normal. Anything seven and above is is fat. Um, and, and, you know, just like with people or <clears throat> actually probably opposite of people, the media is just inundated with photos of cats that are too heavy. For some reason, we think they're cute. You know, these big old fat cats are, are cute. And, and that's, that's not helping things at all. Now, you know, when we're talking obesity, too, I should say, we're not talking, I, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, yeah, well, my cat's got that saggy tummy. When he walks, it, it sways back and forth. Well, that saggy tummy it actually serves a purpose and it has a name other than saggy tummy. It's called a primordial <laughs> pouch. <laughs> and a primordial yeah, What's your cat's name? His name is saggy tummy. <laughs> <laughs> and a primordial pouch is, is there to protect the organs. You know, when cats get in fights and things like that, another cat scratches its, its stomach. It's, it's very vulnerable in the stomach area. So that, Primordial pouch, also known as the saggy tummy, um, helps protect the organs. So every cat oh, has a primordial pouch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that too. It's my primordial pouch that's sticking out. Don't it worry. It's is. my protectant. <laughs> it, it's protecting my gut. <laughs> it's it's in protecting in case I get into a fight and somebody hits me in the stomach. I got plenty of cushion. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So um, what are some of the causes? Well, um, you know, just uh, genetics plays a role. So does behavior, lifestyle, and and breed. Um, You know, the Siamese and Abyssinian breeds tend to be more lean than some other breeds. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same as us. They're eating more calories than they can burn off. And, you know, just like with us, there's unhealthy eating habits, you know. And just, I mean, this this is the same for all species. You know, if you're in a high carb, high calorie diet, you eat too many treats. And in their case, you know, maybe they're eating too much human food. All of that is a problem. Those are all unhealthy eating habits. And then we live in a food is love culture. And it's hard to say no when your cat is hungry and and is begging for treats and things like that. And so we tend to think, oh, I love him. I'm going to give him treats. And then there's free feeding. You know, that is not natural to cats at all. Cats in the wild don't have like just a whole line of dead mice that they can eat at any time. They have to get out there and hunt and work for it and expend some energy and things like that. So when they're in the house, if you're free feeding them, they're first of all, you're feeding dry food, which is very high in carbs and it's going to make them overweight. But free feeding is a problem. You're supposed to feed your cat in snacks. They're not meal eaters. In the wild, they'll eat nine to ten meals a day. And so feed them, you know, minimum of three, absolute minimum. I'd feed them a three and then put a food timer in it at night. And I have a pretty good food timer that's on my resource page at catbehaviorsolutions.org if you want to check that out. Um, I feed Tabasco four to five times a day plus the food timer at night. And then in rare cases, there's hypothyroids, um, 
Just like with us, if you have a hypothyroid, a, 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 an un, then it will make you fat. It'll, you'll gain weight. That's not as common, um, although there are many thyroid disruptors found out there, both in you know uh, fire retardants on carpet and furniture and things, as well as in food. Neutering is another cause. Um, cats that you know have not been neutered tend to be more lean because they roam more. You know, they're they're out looking for dates, and um, so once you neuter them, they're not roaming as much, which means they're not getting as much exercise. It happens, too, with females, but not as much. You know, when you spay a female cat, it'll tend to put on a little weight. Now, that's not a reason not to spay and neuter your cat, because, good Lord, the world does not need more kittens. So spay and neuter your cat, and if you want to see kittens, go to the shelter. They're busting at the seams with them and you know this is there's one more reason that I want to touch on that's that's kind of sad the fact is that vets typically don't have feline obesity conversations with their clients there was a a study done where they videotaped vet appointments and very very few actually brought up obesity to their cat clients absolutely none of them took an in-depth nutritional history or made recommendations for management of the weight. The vets actually appeared to want to strengthen the vet-client relationship with humor and by speaking directly to their cat patients. They're like, Squirt, you sure are a big boy for your name. You know, in, instead of <laughs> instead of having a serious conversation. I mean, and yeah. the clients also in those videotapes, the clients used humor to deal with the discomfort surrounding the topic. You know, can it's I, a. Can I interrupt that just for a second? Because um, I, I think I'm going to sidetrack us just for a moment here to talk about that a little bit. What do you think it is that the communication is happening between the vet and the owner and 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 that? circle between the the actual client which is the pet and and then the person paying who's really the client there is it the animal or is it the paying customer that owns the animal and the emotion that goes into all of that can so just like your your comment there uh that you know they're not talking about the pet they're really talking to and about the owner so what's that dynamic well, it's just like it's just like if you take your kid to a pediatrician. It's like asking who's the pediatrician treating the the kid or the parent, and and this it's complex, and it's ah, both. You know, right. it's it's definitely both. It it's it is ultimately. I feel like veterinarians have a responsibility to treat the the cat. But the reality is so few people take their cats to the vet in the first place. I think when a vet sees a cat, they want to be really careful not to do anything that might might make them not bring the cat more often. They need, you know, they want to make the visit as stress-free as possible and, you know, as quick as possible. And, you know, just like I said, just seeing a cat client is is like a victory for a vet. So I think there's that. And then I think... You know, there is a complex and sensitive nature to talking about, you know, obesity. How do you say, um, well, do we? Your cat is fat. 
mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like calling your baby ugly. I mean, it, but right. you know, at the same time, it, it is a doctor. And so the doctor should be somewhat dealing with the emotion and psychological um, communication between owner and pet, because I think there are two schools of thought and you're, you're better to understand it than I am. But, you know, when you look at what it, why does a, 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 a person have a pet in the first place? Is it because it's an emotional connection? Uh, because you always hear uh, them talking to their pets um, and, and it seems to be that the pet always answers back <laughs> in their own voice. <laughs> so, you know, or is it that a pet is something that they feel like they should be taken care of. So you sort of are on a rescue mission that you own a pet or you're emotionally somewhat tied very deeply with your pet. I mean, that, that seems to be two different schools of thought. What's the responsibility of the vet in that communication? Well, first of all, I, I would hope you have both. I would hope you have a, a rescue relationship. I I went to the shelter and I adopted a pet and I rescued him. I saved him. And and then also develop a very strong emotional tie to that pet. I mean, I, I think it's both. But, I mean, clearly this study suggests a need for vets to have more training about information gathering and information sharing while navigating those sensitive dis, you know, discussions to address the needs of, of the cat, the, the ultimate patient. Um, so I, I think... You know, I think, yes, and that there's that. And, you know, I don't know, maybe they're busy. I, I haven't asked my vet about this or why why that is. And, you know, we have a really great vet. Dr. Lavender at, at Metropause is, is awesome. I don't believe she would have been one of the vets to let an obese cat, you know, through the office without saying, you know, hey, look, here's the body score chart. And cats should be here and your guy is like here off the chart and you know we need to talk about some you know healthy maintenance weight maintenance and how to get the weight off and and things like that you know that and that is a great segue into the next comment or question that i i had which plays into our our discussion a second ago because in reality, it's the same question that we have for ourselves. Why is it that some people can eat and gain weight and other people can eat and regulate? Because I've seen it sit down and seen people uh, on both sides of the, the spectrum eat about the same proportion, yet one can somehow burn off or regulate or not gain weight and the other can so i i can understand in a world of a pet especially those pet owners who leave their food out all day long and cats can just eat all day long uh, but there are others who also have that available to them but don't quite regulate so what is your answer to why some cats can eat and others uh, eat and gain weight and others can't and somehow can regulate. Yeah, and I can relate to that. I have, you know, skinny as a beanpole friends that will eat more than I do. And I'm like, what is up with that? How how did they get that metabolism? I want that metabolism. Right, yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I inject that? <laughs> but, you know, with people, there's such 
an emotional relationship with food that is not there with with cats. They just, you know, they, they don't have that emotional relationship with food. And cats do normally regulate their food intake to their energy requirements. But in some instances, cats aren't able to do that. And it's shown that there's a thing called leptins, and that's a hormone that regulates energy balance by inhibiting hunger. In other words, it's the leptins that go, no, no thanks, I'm not hungry, I'm not going to have that second helping. So they did a study and they thought, well, maybe these cats just don't have enough leptins. And so they increased the leptin content in the cat and they didn't make any difference. They still overate. So what they determined was that certain cats actually have a leptin resistance. So they're not lacking it. They're just they're just resistant to the leptins that they have in their body. Why? I don't think they've gotten that far yet, but it is it is something that's happening on a chemical level in your cat. It's not it's not anything that's emotional happening in their brain. And you know, and that's why like you said, free feeding is just not not good for a cat. You know, it's not natural. They're snackers. Um you know they they will if you if you feed and you don't feed frequently enough so let's say you stop free feeding and you decide you're going to feed two times a day which really isn't enough then the cat is going to just scarf up that food too fast and might overeat because it's scared that it's going to be too long before the next meal. It's indoors. It's not able to hunt for itself. It is relying on you to feed it. And if there's 12 hours between feedings, it's not enough. So some cats will overeat in a setting if your frequency isn't enough. And, you know, vets also, this is funny, if your cat is obese, some vets will actually recommend feeding an only moderately palatable food <clears throat> so they don't overeat. So don't feed them like their favorite stuff. Feed them the stuff they're just okay with so they won't eat too much of it. That kind of works with me too. You know, if you serve me peas, I'm not going to overeat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here, here's the thing is our animals – I mean, a lot of people disagree with this, but, you know, I haven't seen where it's a proven fact that animals um, can't tell us specifically, you know, what they like and what they don't. We're just basically taking their actions and interpreting that to how we uh, think and and that becomes our communication path. And so until we can truly understand and have a direct dialogue with the animals we have to sort of just kind of try things and see what happens. Like you said, peas, and I think you were mentioned vegetables in places. And, you know, uh, you think about uh, all that. We, we just kind of look at the cat, and the cat kind of tells us based on its actions. Well, and, sure. It's like if you, if you set down a bowl of peas in front of me, you're going to see 
a lot of talking, a lot of picking at them. Whereas if you set down a bowl of macaroni and cheese in front of me, you're not going to hear from me until it's gone, you know, and I'm going to be rapidly inhaling it. Well, the same thing is with cats. You know, you feed them some flavors and some foods and they're like, "Mm," and they don't eat it all. And then uh, you feed them some and they like just scarf it up. So I, I think they tell us. I think their actions speak loudly. Right, agreed. And I, I, but you know, we we as humans have learned to look at people's actions, reactions, facial expressions, and all of that, and then begin to apply an interpretation to that. So I, I see that happening. But uh, my point is, is that if we could ever have a cat just directly tell us, "Hey, I don't like that stuff." You know, or, hey, uh, you know, give me some more of that. Or, hey, I'm full right now. You know, I'm not eating just because, you know, my metabolism isn't ready yet. <laughs> you know, I think someday we'll have an app for that. Mm, talk to your cat <laughs> app, maybe. <laughs> so, so let's talk about what about the health issues? Why is obesity such a conversation and what health issues does it bring on? Well, um, certainly shortened lifespan. They, you know, they haven't actually done this study on cats. They've done it on dogs, and they showed that dogs live at least two years less than slim dogs. And they say that that they they believe that that applies to the feline species as well. So, you know, when they're only living, um, you know, sixteen to eighteen years, you're cutting off twenty percent or more of you know, of their lifespan by having an obese cat. And if you love your cat, you want it around as long as possible. So, you know, it's a, it's a serious thing. They're also, an, an obese cat is more likely to develop disease. Um, they, they did, a, there's scientific evidence shows now that fat tissue is biologically active. And so it secretes inflammatory hormones and creates oxidative stress on the body's tissue, both of which contribute to many diseases. You know, the chronic diseases like the the low-level inflammatory condition type diseases. I mean, they can, obese cats tend to be uh, more apt to get cancer, certainly diabetes, certainly heart disease, and absolutely high blood pressure. And arthritis and faster degeneration of joints because they're carrying all that extra weight around. It also affects their their urinary tract systems. Um, they can have more bladder stones and urinary tract diseases. They get skin problems because they're not able to groom themselves properly. Um, and they just, at the end of the day, they have real difficulty fighting infectious disease when they have that inflammation in all of their tissue. And then, you know, if you if you have an obese cat, like like these cats in the shelter, the reason why they're so crucial and we want them out is because they're they're stressed. And when a cat gets stressed and afraid, it will stop eating. And if you have an obese cat that stops eating, it very quickly, like in a matter of a couple days, can develop a fatty liver disease. Whereas if you have a healthy weight cat and it stops eating, it takes much longer for those deadly side effects to occur. So when we get them in the shelter and they're stressed, which oddly enough, it does seem like the fatter the cat, the more stressed it is in a shelter setting for some reason. But we're always 
pleading for rescues to to please come forward or fosters to get them out of the shelter and into a home environment because it can be very deadly if they if they actually stop eating altogether you know is that let's talk about uh you know what happens when um and i'm I'm putting a lot of thought to this for a minute what's the life expectancy of a a cat that's obese with having some chronic uh, component added to it. So, in other words, if my cat is eight years old and he's obese, can I expect him to still live to be 16? Probably not. Just like with people, you know, our our 300-pound friends don't live to be 92, you know, it's it's a sad truth, and and it's the same kind of thing with the human species. It's typically because high blood pressure will lead to other conditions, diabetes, you know, heart disease. Your heart is just working overtime to pump blood through all that extra mass and tissue that's not supposed to be there. So, you know, yeah, you you live you live a shorter lifespan if you're morbidly obese. Well, I think that isn't that kind of the top line story to all of this is, you know, listen, if you choose to and you have control over this, you choose to overfeed your cat or feed the wrong things, then you're going to have an obese cat. And if you do, then you're not going to have it as long. So if you have an emotional tie to your cat, then maybe this should be the top line story is just right. that. So how do we know, though, when our cat is hungry? Because, you know, they're screaming. Sometimes they're waking us up at night. Um, You know, I I could see where people hear their cat meowing and instantly think, oh, they're hungry. You know, but is that really the case? Do they only meow when they're hungry or do they only wake us up in the middle of the night because they're hungry? Or are there other things that kind of play into that? Well, yeah, yes, typically yes. That's why they're meowing and why they're they're waking you up in the middle of the night. And this is where people fail. Because if you have to feed your cat a, a less portion or something is only moderately palatable rather than something it likes a lot, that cat's going to get obnoxious as hell. And it's going to start knocking your fine china off the cabinets it's going to you know wake you up in the middle of the night because its stomach hurts because it wants what it wants and it's hungry and it's a it's a real pain and and it's a real issue and a lot of people just give up and they just give in and they feed the cat and they're like I can't I can't deal with it I have aggression cases that have to do with nutrition and hunger where cats will actually just full on attack your ankles and legs because they're hungry you know they're not getting fed the right food or often enough or any number of things so it can be really hard i, I know that it's not just as easy as feeding your cat less but it's very, very important that you resist the temptation and, and don't give in. 
you know, it's important that you, again, feed frequently. Um, get a timer so that you can set up one of the meals to go off in the middle of the night. That cuts down tremendously on the waking you up early in the morning because that eight-hour span without food, again, is a lot. It's asking a cat to, to go a long period of time without food. So break it up and set the food timer for four hours after you go to bed. Um, feed canned food. Low-calorie treats. Here's something you can do that is particularly good. Get psyllium husk and and add it to their food. So, you know, I, I get psyllium husk tablets like fiber tablets, and I just open them up and I sprinkle it on top of the food. That fills them up because it expands once it gets in there. Once it gets moist, it will expand up kind of like a sponge, but it, it's good for them too. It's a good natural laxative for them, helps things move through, but it makes them feel more full, more more full. And then I, I suggest you feed raw food. Of course, I always suggest you feed raw food for a multitude of reasons, and it's not hard. You don't have to make it you know, fresh, raw like we do. You can you can buy vital essentials. We do that also. I only supplement every now and then with the fresh raw, but it's vital essentials. Or and there's other brands. A freeze dried raw makes it really easy to feed a raw food diet. They come in these dry patties. The vital essentials are very soft, so you can crumble them up, add warm water, and that's all there is to it. It's it's not complex. There is a testimonial on our Facebook page actually. So we're under um, Cat Behavior Solutions on Facebook, not Cat Talk Radio, but Cat Behavior Solutions. And I posted that we were going to do the show on obese cats and a body score chart and asked people to post pictures of their cats. And one lady posted that she had changed her cats to a raw diet and instantly, you know, the weight came off and, and cats are healthy diet and they're more active and they seem happier. It is amazing how a raw food diet is, is best for your cats because it's species specific. The other thing is, you know, cats can have allergies to, to food. They can have allergies to fish. That's very common. Sometimes chicken. Not usually the proteins, but that that can be. Definitely wheat, gluten, corn, soy, all those are are food allergies and sadly common ingredients found in in commercial pet food. So I I strongly recommend uh, switching to a raw food diet. Switch slowly, by the way. Just add a little bit. Um, to their regular food and and go slow on that and 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 resist you know increase the feeding frequency that will help with that obnoxious feed me now behavior I get like that sometimes too sorry honey <laughs> me too I understand <laughs> I get that way also I know, but I you know I would like to hear <laughs> yeah I would like to hear from the audience uh, people that are listening to us. I really recommend that you uh, email in or uh, give us a call or let's set up an interview with you online to talk about how you feed and um, let's talk about some success stories. I'd like to hear from the audience in that sometime. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can email me at, it's Molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at cattalkradio.com. But we're not done with the show. 
No, no, no. We have I'm more not, to talk I, about. I'm, I'm saying that only because, you know, I could visualize people, you know, you're giving all of the advice. I'd like to hear back from them about how this works and maybe some success stories that they've had here. But I've also uh, recently um, saw a article uh, that was about obese cats, and this was put out by Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine, and they just ended a year-long uh, study into feline obesity, and it was paid for by none other than Purina, interestingly enough, because I'm sure the data that they got from that was something that Purina wants to put or promote on their next packaging or branding of their next product. So I think that uh, it's a very interesting story because um, they wanted to see what the effects would be by adding food puzzle uh, and seeing how that food puzzle interacted with the cat's weight. Yeah, and that, so, you know, that mm-hmm. was one of the things. This study that you're making reference to um, hasn't been published yet. They just kind of announced recently, hey, we did this study and we're not ready yet to publish all the results, but here's kind of the top line findings. And and anything that's paid for by Purina, I, I get a little leery of because I think, what what are they promoting now? But the two things that came out, one was the, the food puzzle was interesting because they had 48 cats in the study. And they, they divided them up and they gave food puzzles to half of them. They all had these wearable activity monitors. to to They wanted to measure changes in activity at different weights. And then each cat was given a customized weight loss plan, you know, weight loss food and low-calorie treats. And what they found was that with weight loss, cats were more mobile. They groomed better. And they had an overall better mood. The cats were happier when they were lighter. But one of the things that they're, that, that was very interesting, I'm not sure how I feel about this point, but they gave the cats for snacks, they gave the cats vegetables covered in Purina's Fortiflora probiotic, and that was their locale snack. And so they're suggesting that cats should have veggies. Well... I think that's a real stretch because, first of all, Purina's Fortiflora probiotic is amazing. I give it to Tabasco every day, and he absolutely loves it. Cats love the flavor of it. It's a good appetite stimulant. If you have a cat that's not eating, put it on the food. Probiotics are awesome for cats. It's That Purina product is amazing. You should buy it. And so what they did was they took vegetables and they covered it in the in the Fortiflora, and the cats would eat the vegetables. Now, they haven't said yet which vegetables, but cats don't need vegetables. They need protein and water, and that's about it. The only vegetables they consume are in the stomach contents of the prey that they eat. So I'll be interested to see what their final recommendation is. I can't imagine that, you know, Purina is going to be recommending you give your cat celery sticks dipped in Fortiflora they'll probably come out with some veggie snack. I, I don't know. But but at any rate, the bottom line is food puzzles were, were better because they increased mobility and helped the cats lose weight. Um, the problem, you know, most food puzzles will set up for dry food, which is all high carbs and high calories and probably not what you should be feeding a cat that you're trying to, to get weight off of. But you can put treats in there. 
You can put it out at night. So if you feed a little bit of dry food in the food puzzle and put it out at night, that's a good thing. The other thing is you can make wet food puzzles. So you can put like wet food in a coffee cup and then lay the coffee cup on its side on a mat so the cat's got to reach in there and, and dig it out. You can get creative with all kinds of wet food puzzles. You can put them in uh, like muffin pans and cover it with little pieces of, of cardboard so they have to move the cardboard to, to get to the food. You just got to put food puzzles and um, I guess vegetables covered in Fortiflora <laughs> <laughs> were the main things that are coming out of that study. But but also that with weight loss, it improves the cat's daily functioning, which would make sense. You know, so that brings up a good point. You have some of these food puzzles on your website, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I and, and, and I know when we go to the big pet shows, you kind of look at – look for specific food puzzles and things that m- seem uh, interactive and things that uh, makes a lot of sense. Talk a little bit about that real quick on what kind of food puzzles you like to carry. Uh, I carry um, three really easy ones that are made by PetMate on, in the Behavior Boutique at catbehaviorsolutions.org. They're easy to use, but they are for dry food. They don't really make a lot of wet food puzzles, which is what I look for when I go to the show is, is wet food puzzles. So I try to come up with, you know, just do-it-yourself home ideas of how you, you create more interaction rather than just putting it in a bowl where they get more exercise because it really needs to kind of move around, which you don't want to have with wet food because, you know, it's dribbling all over the floor. But, <laughs> um but yeah, we carry a few for, for dry food on the site that are very reasonably priced and really easy to use. So let's talk about, you know, vegetarian, because <laughs> now you were talking about a minute ago that there might be some study out that, that there is a possibility. And I've heard you say in the past that, you know, they don't, cats don't really eat vegetables like dogs can eat. They can't digest it. But in this study that we just talked about a second ago, it sounded like they covered it in something and and the cats ate it. What about their Did they throw it back up or what about vegetarian diet? Um, well, that's two part question. No, I think they ate the vegetables and they can digest vegetables. They just have absolutely zero nutritional value. So like we as a species, humans have to have vegetables because we need the the nutrients that come out of vegetables, but cats don't. Cats just need protein, the amino acids from protein in particular, and and water. I mean, it's it's that simple. Now you can't just feed your cat raw chicken. It's and you know like a boneless, skinless chicken breast cut up. That that doesn't work because they need to have the the meat, the bones, the organs. That's where they get all the nutrients they need. And that is all they need. And that's been well known for for decades. And these cat vegetarian diets are just wrong. That that is counter to their species. So no, you cannot feed your cat a vegetarian diet and expect it to live very long. Um, the best thing you can do is feed your cat raw food. And again, it's easy. It's not the cheapest thing because, of course, you know, there's the difference of 
I remember when I was a kid, I lived off of macaroni and cheese, the cheapest box kind of macaroni and cheese, and SpaghettiOs. You know, and SpaghettiOs were, what, 24 cents a can back then or something? You know, it, it was cheap. But was I getting any nutrients out of that? No, I wasn't. I wasn't healthy because I didn't get the nutrients from a balanced diet. Well, it's the same thing with cats. You can buy cheap cat food because it's all junk. It's animal byproducts, which is the junk part of the animals that they're not getting the nutrients that they need. And it's a bunch of fillers and they'll use vegetables and they'll use egg product. They'll use things that have protein in it so that they can say it has a high protein level, but it's not actually the protein source that cats need. So yes, feeding your cat a proper diet is more expensive than feeding it junk. Just like it's much more expensive for me to have a balanced diet than to buy a can of SpaghettiOs, which will fill me up, but I'm not getting any nutritional value. So no, no vegetarian diets, please. So the next, you know, we talk about diet, but just like us, what's the first thing the doctor says to us when we go to the doctor's office he says you need to watch your diet and the next thing is to exercise so let's talk mm, about yeah. jazzercise with your cat can you really <laughs> do the mamba and jazzercise with your cat and get him to uh, uh, lose a little weight yeah, and yoga, too. I, I hear cats really love yeah, to do yoga. you know, I can just see you <laughs> sitting in the room with the Buddha head and the music going on with your legs crossed and your arms out and the cat sitting right next to you doing the same thing. Yep. <laughs> that would be a good picture. We need a selfie of that. Okay, I'll work on that one for you. <laughs> <laughs> so another, I, I quote studies a lot because I do study a lot. I, I like to stay on top of the scientific studies that are coming out about about felines and and in our pet world because it helps me to learn and share that information. So another recent study showed that active playing for cats for 10 minutes a day was as effective as calorie restriction. So it was suggesting that just add 10 minutes of play a day and don't reduce calories and you're going to get the same results. Well, that, that might be true and it might not be true. It's certainly no substitute for feeding your cat good, lean food. But, um, but it was a study. You know, I, and if you're going to do 10 minutes of play per day, which I strongly prescribe to all of my clients, you use an interactive wand toy and you have prey play. So what you're doing is you're simulating that hunting sequence I recommend you do it before you eat, because, before the cat eats, sorry, <laughs> it doesn't matter when you eat, but <laughs> um, I recommend that you do it before the cat eats so that, again, it, if they get that prey play session in and then they eat, all of that is a very natural sequence to to their daily routine and and when they're out in the wild that's where they're expending most of their calories is in that hunting sequence now you can also use a laser light people say well i can use a laser toy for you lazy people who don't like to get up and drag the toy around out of sight and you know you got to kind of get up and get involved in that interactive play it gets you 10 minutes of activity also but um, yes, for exercise, a laser light can be used. Just be careful because it's also shown that it kind of makes them a little neurotic because they can't catch it. They, you know, there's nothing to catch and kill bite at the end. And it, 
it, just like video games with kids, it changes the way the brain fires and, and can have some bad effects on cats. So, you know, limitedly, laser light's fine. Give them a treat at the end. That helps. Um, play fetch with your cat. You know, throw something. Have him bring it back. And then you can play hide-and-go-seek or tag with your cat. I do this with Tabasco. We've been doing this since he was a kitten. Because um, when he was a kitten, he used to hide around a corner and jump out at me. So I thought, well, I'm going to do the same to you. So I would see him coming down the hall and I'd hide around the corner and then I jump out and scare him, and he loved it. He, he, you know, meows and thinks it's hysterical, and and runs after me. So now we have this little deal where I can see he's, you know, he's being a little active, and I'll I'll run around something and wait. And he's smart. He turns around and goes the other way and tries to cut me off. So that gets him lots of activity. We we play tag, which I know just sounds really geeky, but <laughs> but we do. That's you a good can, exercise. Tag you're it for both of us. <laughs> um, harness and leash walks. You know, you can. The cat is never too old to train into a harness and uh, take on a walk, and obviously keep him comfortable. If they're just terrified, go really really slow. You know, they don't need to go far the first time, but let them go out and explore a little bit. They're not going to be like the dog that's going to go jogging for a mile in the morning, but at least it gets them outside and and burns up some calories. And then you can do simple things like put their beds, you know, up in high places where they have to climb or jump up to get in them. That will burn some extra calories, too. Interesting. I can't wait to see a, a little cat going down the sidewalk with its owner and it has a little bandana on and just huffing and puffing and, you know, <laughs> running the streets just like they just like the dogs do huffing mm-hmm. and puffing. Yeah. OK, so let's move on. We're getting on, we've got quite a bit more here to cover and we're getting long in our session. So um, let's let's talk about this. Do cats have the same problem as humans? When it comes to keeping the weight off, in other yes. words, if they lose the weight, do they just kind of gain it right back? Kind of like we do. We go on a diet, we lose 10 pounds, and then a week later, we put it all back on. Yep. That's yo-yoing, what they call it. Yo-yo, your weight's yo-yoing. coming back. Uh, yo-yoing, <laughs> your weight. And uh, and yes, cats, cats experience yo-yo weighting also. So it's real important um, to have regular weigh-ins. So first of all, as you do all these things to reduce your cat's you know, food intake and changing the way you feed it, you want to go slow. You don't want them to lose weight fast. You want that weight to come off slow. So you want to have regular weighing every two to three weeks. Now, you can do this by getting like a baby scale or you can simply get on the scale yourself, look at your weight, then go pick up your cat and get on the scale and subtract the two. And that's what your cat's weight is which is depressing. I do that sometimes and I'm like, dang, I need to lose weight. He needs to put weight on at this stage. But Well, I jump on there and then I look at the weight and I go, okay, where's he at? He's on my shoulder somewhere, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, That's where that extra 20 pounds is coming from. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so use the food puzzle we talked about. You know, cats that have food given in bowls expend fewer calories than certainly than feral cats who have to hunt for it. 
And, you know, and be careful. You you don't want to go too far. Too thin is just as bad as being obese far as, you know, health issues and things like that. So watch really closely. And if your cat drops then below a, a four on the body score chart, you know, you'll need to start increasing some calories at that point as needed. Wow. Okay. So that's a good point. Now let's talk about that. How many calories, because we haven't talked about that yet. How many calories should a cat have? I know that uh, the human study is 2000 calories a day is sort of the benchmark. I don't believe that, but what's the benchmark for the kitties? Um, well, and you, and you're right. You know, I think like the American Heart Association says 2000 calories a day or something like that. And of course, you know, that, that can't be the same. If I eat 2000 calories and, and you eat 2000 calories a day, I'm going to put weight on and you're going to lose. So <laughs> it is very individualized. And so for cats, um, it should be 70% of their ideal body weight. So Here's the formula. It's not as complicated as it sounds, but get a pen and paper and write this down because you may not memorize it either. So the first thing you have to do is convert your cat's weight in pounds to kilograms because all of these formulas are in are in kigs and not pounds. So, for instance, if you and you can Google that, just do pounds to kilograms and these little converters come up, put in your cat's weight in pounds and they'll tell you how much they weigh in kilograms. So for instance, let's use, for example, an 11 pound cat weighs five kilograms. All right. Look at the chart, you know, look at, look at where your cat is and ideal. Your vet can help you to determine what's ideal for that cat's body frame. But, um, but so you've got your 11 pound, five kilogram cat. So the daily caloric intake needed to maintain ideal body weight is you take 30 times the kilograms plus 70. So write that down, 30 X kg plus 70. So in our example cat, we take five kilograms times 30 plus 70 equals 220 kilocalories a day. Now for weight loss, you want to give them 70% of this, as I said in the beginning. So now we take 0.70 times the 220 kilocalories, and that's going to equal 154 kilocalories per day. Now read the labels on your food that you're feeding. If it's not on there, I mean, I, I think all of them have the, the KCALs on there. But if not, call the manufacturer. They're usually very quick to respond and, and will let you know. But like this can I have here, easy, five and a half ounce can. So it has 116 KCALs in the can. So that means for my 11-pound cat, I need to feed them about a can and a third a day. So you can also, as just a, an easy roundabout way, you can say it's about 60 kcals per kilogram of weight. So our 11-pound cat is 5 kilograms times 60. It would be about 300 calories a day. So that, that kind of gives you that 
that it wasn't that bad. I didn't dive off too deep into math. <laughs> <laughs> well, you lost me at kilograms. <laughs> you know, who in the United States is really looking at kilograms? I well, mean, it's easy. I mean, that's. Wait. That's we just the way. I know it's, it's easy, but you know, you take a look at a can. We don't we don't deal in kilograms or kilo whatevers. We deal in, you know, do I need a quarter cup? Do I need a spoonful? Or well, and that's know. how you have to figure it out because you got to get to the calories that the cat needs Absolutely. first. And then you realize that all of this math equation really just kind of threw everybody overboard. Going, no. oh my God, I got to do all of this work just to if figure out. If you wrote this. it down, like I told you, you didn't write it down, did you? I did. I got it all right here. <laughs> oh, We're I gonna. Mean, I'm gonna and, try and, and it. And after writing it all down, I look like I'm I'm back in algebra trying to figure out what to do to feed my cat. <laughs> it's not know? that difficult. Okay. All right, I'll post it on Facebook. Let me just tell the cat world. Just you know, read the can. That'll help. I'll you. no no no. I'll post it on Facebook. Okay, post it out there. All right, let's get down to the last question. We're going along today. So, are there any other things that we can think about? To help get weight off of our cat. Anything else? Yeah, definitely. Besides food, figuring out, you know, what kind of food you're feeding, not free feeding, frequencies, increase that frequency, um, figure out how many calories your cat should have, increase exercise. Some other things you can do is just skip the treat snack time altogether and replace it with playtime or catnip time. Um, build a catio. With a big jungle gym. Oh, your cat will go crazy. You know, catio is like a patio for cats and it's an enclosure and you put climbing stuff out there and shelving and stuff. The cat will go bananas out there. Um, you know, reduce their extended sleep periods. So your cat sleeps all day long. Well, wake them up. Um, have them have them go play with you instead of sleeping as long. If your cat's amenable to traveling and adventures which few are but you know take your cat to work or take it take it someplace where it's a, a different place it'll stay awake um there are some supplements the l-carnitine has been shown to promote maintenance of lean body mass during weight reduction so and you can get that easily on on amazon and um put it on their food um feed them good food obviously low carbs Feed them less palatable food, like I said. And if you're going to keep with treat time, um, switch treats to things like, you know, instead of feeding temptations, which are pretty high in calories. By the way, those also have the KCALs on the back of the package. Now, remember, in our example that went over Dewey's head, the 220 calories that the cat needs a day, that's everything. That's not just the canned food or the just the can and dry food you're feeding. It includes all the treats, everything that that cat takes in in a day. And so your little treat bags will show you the KCALs per treat. So switch that to shaved turkey. You know, just go to the deli counter and get a low-sodium turkey, None, no, no seasonings because cats can't have onions and stuff like that. So Get the unseasoned, low-sodium turkey, shave off about a quarter of a pound, and switch to that instead of, of you know, temptations or some of the higher carb and calorie treats. That's about all I can think of. Well, this has been a great show, as always. 
And uh, thank you for all that in-depth information and sharing all of your studies. And uh, again, I'd like to point everybody to the website at uh, catsbehaviorsolutions.org where you have lots of stuff out there for people to purchase um, for their cats in a, in a great uh, format of, of being able to take care of your cat. Blog. There's a good blog. Blog. Excellent yeah. There's blog. There's an excellent resource there. page. There's a page of resources where I actually give you the links right to where you can buy the stuff on Amazon. So I make it really simple for you. Um, yeah. So go check out the website. There's lots there. Lots and lots and lots there. And please and listen do. to more podcasts. We have listen all kinds more, of podcasts yeah. about listen different to the podcasts and. Uh, you know, give us an email. Tell us, share some, share some information. Share what you're doing with your cat and how these programs are helping out. And if you would like to uh, have Molly visit your shelter and help them uh, do something, uh, also let's get an introduction between the shelter and Molly. She really works well with them. Okay. All right. Let's so wrap this up. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm. Let's hear you purr. <laughs> yeah, mine's a... <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, we're out of here. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.